Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, welcome back to our sermon series simply called The Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know about you, but in studying the Ten Commandments, they have really become more real and more relevant for me today. I also realize that, you know, just over and over again, it's impossible for me to follow the Ten Commandments without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been emphasizing every single week that we are not studying the Ten Commandments as though if God is some angry, bitter, hateful deity, but instead we are approaching the Ten Commandments as though if it's a love letter from God to us. So let's open with prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, today as we approach this Eighth Commandment, I pray that we would have a heart that is really open to being real with ourselves, real with other people, and most importantly, real with you. Father, have your way, have your will in us, in Jesus' holy name, amen. You know, a good case could be made that the Eighth Commandment in Exodus 20, verse 15, which says, you must not steal. I mean, a good case could be made that this is the one commandment that can encompass all the other commandments. Now, how does that work, you would say? How does we must not still encompass the other commandments? Well, murder is stealing another person's life. And making false idols is stealing God's rightful place in our lives. And coveting is the desire to steal what belongs to another person. And giving false testimony is stealing justice. I'm pretty sure you can kind of get the idea. See, the Eighth Commandment is unique in yet another way. It is the only commandment that is completely open-ended. All the other commandments are incredibly specific. Let me show you what I mean. Number one. The first commandment is specific to have no other gods. Number two, specific about not making any other idols. Specific in number three, you must not misuse the Lord's name. The fourth, to remember the Sabbath day. That's very specific. The fifth, honoring our parents. The sixth, prohibiting murder of innocent blood. The seventh speaks about married people. Let's let's go over the eighth and let's go back to the ninth. This one is testifying against your neighbor. And the tenth, we're not to covet our neighbor's lives, relationships, and their property. But the eighth commandment, it's uniquely different. It says it's not even given us a hint specifically of what we're not to steal from anybody. Which means 
We cannot take, we cannot steal anything that belongs to another person. Let's look at some incredibly significant meanings behind the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment from ancient times has always been understood to to mean this. Number one, we are not allowed to steal another human being. Let's look at an example in Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph, the coat of many colors. His brothers are jealous of him, and there's a lot of dysfunction in the family. He's on an errand to communicate with his brothers a message from his dad. And this is where we pick up. Genesis 37, starting at verse 26. Judah said to his brothers, this is Joseph's older brother, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother. So instead of violating, you know, the sixth commandment, let's just violate the eighth commandment. And his brothers agreed. Verse 28. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. Sounds something familiar about Jesus and some guy named Judas selling him, right? And the traders took him to Egypt. What a travesty. Perpetrated by Joseph's own brothers. I mean, this might be the very first documented recording of human trafficking. Human trafficking today, it's incredibly multifaceted. It's not just about forced labor or even sex slaves, but it's also for the, we want to say harvesting, but that is the stealing of somebody else's body organs for organ transplant. It's horrible. The Eighth Commandment, you must not steal, expressly prohibits all kinds of these practices by telling us, do not steal. Do not steal other people. But some critics of the Bible, well, they want to argue that the Bible allowed slavery. But that type of slavery described in the Bible was completely different. It spoke of servitude. It spoke of indentured servitude. It means this. I will offer myself to another person to pay off a debt that I owe. Here's an example. Little Johnny's out there playing baseball with the buddies in the, in the front of his house, and he hits the ball, and he breaks a window of Mrs. Jones. So he goes to Mrs. Jones and tells her, if you're okay, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, I would love to mow your lawn for one whole month to try to pay off the broken window that I broke with the baseball. You see, it wasn't uncommon in the days of the Bible that, let's say, a farmer needed seed, and he would go and speak to somebody else of wealth, and he would obtain the seed needed to plant his fields and if the harvest was horrible and there wasn't enough 
Then he would go and to that person that he borrowed from and said, I will offer myself for X amount of time to pay off my debt for the seed I got from you. That's indentured servitude. That's biblical slavery. That's not the same as kidnapping a person and then selling them. That is completely different. Let's look at another significant meaning behind the Eighth Commandment. Other people's property is to be treated as sacred. Just as we're prohibited from stealing people, we're also prohibited from stealing other people's possessions and property. It's interesting, in Deuteronomy 19, verse 14, it reads, When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. According to Walter Kaiser, uh, Ladon gave me this little insight to look up, and I found this. He said that John Calvin found that removing a property boundary stone was an act of double deceit. It was both an act of thievery and an act of false witness. You see, these stones were placed to mark off a person's property. And some people would maneuver the rocks so they could gain more land from their neighbor. That was stealing, and that's not okay. Now, in Romans, Paul, he he tries to connect for us the Ten Commandments and the idea of loving our neighbor. Let's look at this. He says in verse 9, chapter 13, For the commandments say, You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, Paul tells us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. I mean, don't you take care of yourself? And we're to do the same. I wouldn't want anybody stealing from me. And then I, in turn, should love them in the same way, knowing they would not want anybody stealing from them. We're to show love. Well, the third significant meaning behind the Eighth Commandment, number three, Non-material things of other people are to be treated as sacred. See, a non-material thing is something that maybe you, it's not tangible. Maybe you can't just touch it, but it's just as real as something you can touch with your hands. You say, what do you mean? I mean a person's reputation. I mean a person's dignity. A person's trust. A person's intellectual property. Those are tangibles, even though we may not be able to touch it. When those items that are non-material are stolen from us, it becomes incredibly personal, and I mean immediately for that person. A person's reputation, their dignity, their their trust, their intellectual property, it becomes the essence of who they really are. 
So let's quickly run through these non-material things that really are quite substantive. Number one, a person's reputation. When a person's good name is stolen, whether through libel, slander, gossip, it is particularly devastating. It's destructive, one of the most destructive forms of thievery there is. It's clear to me that some of the best, the most honest, innovative leaders our nation has re- will refuse to run for political office or become ministers of the gospel because they are fully aware of the devastating personal attacks that will be launched against them and those closest to them. No one can blame them. Why would you run if you knew that was going to happen to you? It's sad. It's a sad commentary. Paul encountered this. Paul understood what this was like. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 to 18. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, Paul says. But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him. For he, for, he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And He rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from, the, from every evil attack and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Alexander, the coppersmith, he was clearly contentious. He was fighting against Paul. He was fighting against the gospel. He was making it miserable for Paul. Those who were there in arms and helping see the gospel being preached, well, all of a sudden, because of all the ruckus this this Alexander was doing, caused people to scatter. And here, Paul is all alone. There's nobody there. He's all alone. He's written to Timothy and saying, can you bring me my my coat? And he starts naming all the different people who one by one, who were there to help, who were part of the ministry, had left. All because of what Alexander was stealing. He was stealing the reputation, the credibility, the good name of Paul. Is there any wonder why God says to not steal? Including another person's non-material things like their reputation. Well, let's look at number two. Let's look at dignity. A person's dignity. The act of stealing a person's dignity is known as humiliation. Humiliating a person, especially humiliating them in a public forum, can do permanent damage. 
not only to themselves, but to, to one of the most precious things everybody has, to their dignity. And it can cause damage to their soul. People like to say, hey, 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 I, I was just joking. I mean, can't you just take a joke? But humiliating another person for the sake of humor is no laughing matter. It is stealing the other person's dignity. We have to be careful, church. Humiliation and mocking. I mean, it's found throughout all the Bible. There's Goliath mocking and humiliating all of the army of Israel every single day for weeks on end. Then there was Paul. He was slapped and struck publicly. And then Jesus, he was mocked by the Romans, the Roman guards before he went to the cross. How they ripped out his beard and put on a crown of thorns to mock him as a king. And they put king of the Jews on top of his cross. They were stealing his dignity. In Matthew 18, verse 6, Jesus says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Folks, it's not hard. It's not hard to see a person who has had their dignity stolen from them fall away from God. It's incredibly serious when we steal a person's reputation, when we steal a person's dignity. You know, in today's culture, there's a real common word we use a lot. It's called bullying. And that's just another word for humiliating and mocking. Therefore, bullying is just another way of stealing Another person's dignity. Maybe you've heard sticks and stones may break my bones. But this is where I change it. But humiliation has the power to do permanent damage to a person's dignity and to their soul. Folks, we're not to violate the Eighth Commandment. You must not steal even the non-material items of another person. Well, let's go to number three. Let's look at a person's trust. A person's trust. Stealing a person's trust is known as deceiving someone. This is stealing a person's knowledge or what they think they understand about something or withholding a, a critical bit of information and knowledge from another person all an attempt to be able to swindle them for your personal benefit. Much like the, uh, well, the, the unliked used car salesman who would not tell the buyer the truth about the lemon of a car that the potential buyer is about to buy, that the transmission is about to go, or that there is no spare tire, or that it doesn't, it skips and on its timing, and it's missing. 
Another example is when a person pretends to be in true love. And another person understands really what it's all about. They're acting like they're in true love just so that they can get some wealth or maybe some sexual encounters. Folks, these and other scenarios are stealing another person's trust. And it's not okay. In 1 Peter chapter 4.15, it says, If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. The real subtle part in this verse is that when you do these things, like making trouble or prying into somebody else's personal business, without their welcoming you in on this, you're violating their trust in you. So in essence, you're stealing their trust in you and about you. Folks, it's just such a small little verse. This Exodus 20, verse 15. You must not steal. But wow, it's so powerful. So let's go to number four. A person's intellectual property. There's no secret that China has stolen America's intellectual property for decades. But we too can steal intellectual property, can't we? We steal intellectual property when... We use unpaid computer software when we legally download music or videos, when we steal someone else's ideas at work. So as we come to a close, let's look at why. Why would the Lord in His loving, caring, heavenly Father hat, why would He make you must not steal a part of the Ten Commandments? I mean, why is this so important to the heart of God that He would include it with the other ones that, like, don't make false idols or don't murder? How does this commandment demonstrate the love of our Heavenly Father? Well, one, I believe God is saying, I don't want you stealing because I'm your provider. God is saying that you are not to feel responsible for securing your own future by stealing for it. And I think God also doesn't want you to steal because of the pain and the hardship that you will inflict on others. We're talking about the kind of hardship that can be permanent because you stole a person's reputation or their dignity or their trust, or their intellectual property. When we humiliate, and we slander, and we gossip against another person, we can do some irreputable damage that could probably last a lifetime. This is incredibly serious. This is why... 
this council culture is really so wicked in nature. The council culture is all about counseling somebody's ability to have a job or livelihood, destroy their reputation, make sure they are not able to get another job, all because they stood up for something somebody else didn't like or agree with. Folks, it's nothing more than stealing somebody's reputation and dignity. And you could cause permanent damage to a person's soul and to their family. Folks, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart about something that you stole from someone else, then the first place to begin is to admit it to God the Father. And ask God to forgive you. Folks, we all need to repent. So I encourage you, repent. In James chapter 4, 17, it says this, Therefore to him who knows what to, to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Folks, if we know what to do, then let's just do it. Let's be in God's favor, His blessing, and not be in sin against Him. Now, maybe it was a physical thing that you stole. Or maybe it was another person's reputation or dignity or trust or intellectual property that you stole, and maybe the Lord is directing you to address this matter, then I want to encourage you to be wise in how you approach this. Church, really listen to me right now. This is very important, how you would approach this. Just because you want to make it right does not mean that the other person or persons are ready to have a meeting and interaction with you. When a person's reputation, when their dignity, their trust, their intellectual property has been stolen, it's incredibly personal. And the damage that could be done for a lifetime and it could have cost them dearly. Forgiveness by them does not mean that you are to have access to them in fellowship. Trust is a big deal. So I would suggest let them be in control in this interaction. Let them determine the phone call. Let them determine how a face-to-face -face could be done. Let them control how it's going to happen, when it's supposed to happen, who could be there, who cannot be there. You will need to own up for what you did, and what you stole from them, and make it right. Let them be in control. And if they say no, then it's no. Don't go get someone else to get involved in the matter. Just stop and let God. This kind of stuff is hard, folks. It's 
difficult. It's heavy. It's why our loving Heavenly Father gave us the Eighth Commandment in the first place. It's how relevant that the Ten Commandments that were written thousands of years ago are still alive and well for us today and how we are to obey them now and for the rest of our lives. His name's Dennis Prager, and he said something along these lines. He says, it's reasonable to say that in many ways, if everyone would observe the Eighth Commandment, our world would be a beautiful place. And I agree with him. Well, would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, for each and every person who is really feeling the tug by the Holy Spirit regarding something that they stole. Maybe it was a physical thing, a possession. Maybe it was money. Maybe it was a property. But Lord, maybe it was a non-material item, a reputation, a dignity, a trust, an intellectual property. God, I pray that you would guide them when and where and how. So Lord, that they could get to a resolution as they repent to you and even repent to that other person. God, we love you. And we know that these Ten Commandments are a love letter from you to us. So, Father, that we can live that godly, righteous life and we could see victory, not only in us, but in our children and in our children's children. So, God, bless your people, I pray. Set the captive free. Your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you, church. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.